All right, so uh, we're in a series called Who is Jesus? So turn to that person next to you and say, who's Jesus? Who, who is that? There you go. And so we opened up this series last week, and I showed a video footage of, uh, of some guys going out on the streets of New York uh, with video cameras, and they just started walking up to people and asking them, who is Jesus? And it was unbelievable. It broke my heart, first and foremost. I, 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 felt, I found myself weeping as I watched that video. For, how many of you were here last week and you saw that footage? I should have played it again for the rest of you, but it just broke my heart to see people, man, I don't know who he is. I mean, Jesus, who, uh, this guy, you know, I don't know, or he's, he, he's, he's not that white guy with blue eyes like they keep picturing. One guy said, I thought that was hilarious. And, uh, and then just back and forth, and none of them knew him. They didn't know who he was, and it was really heartbreaking. And so, uh, and so we started our series yesterday with, uh, excuse me, last week with who Jesus is. And we started with the fact that the scripture calls him the Son of God. Everybody say, Son of God. You can do it again. Say, Son of God. And last week, if you didn't get it, go back and listen to the podcast. But literally, we proved out of scripture that Jesus was God come to earth. Somebody say amen. amen. He, wasn't a good, he wasn't a good prophet. I appreciate Muhammad and all those other people talking about he's a good prophet. No, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God himself came to earth and, uh, and dwelt amongst men. And so we studied that. And one of our big takeaways from that uh, understanding is that if he's God and he came to earth and he lived amongst men and he taught us how to be like himself, then his words are God's words and therefore are to be obeyed, trusted, incorporated into our lives. And everybody ought to say amen to that. And then today, as we jump into this next piece of understanding who Jesus is, we've titled this one, Servant of All. Everybody say, Servant of All. Good. And with that, let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. If you're new to a church on the hill, I'm just going to preach for about three, four hours maybe, and then we'll dismiss you and... Just kidding. We won't do that. We'll get you out on good time so that you can rush over and try to beat the Baptist folks to uh, Sam's Pizza. But it will not happen, by the way. They're already there. I'll just let you know. You already missed it. All right. In verse uh, 6 of chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, And who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Everybody say nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant... Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as we look into this passage, it basically says that Jesus came to earth and became, as our title, the servant of all. He took on the form of humanity and began, he did that so that he could serve humanity. So if I could, let me give you an overview, overview of God's interaction with humanity. According to the book of Genesis, God created us. God created humanity. And as we studied last week, God being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were all there in creation, working and creating humanity. Adam had a covenant relationship with the Father. Eve did as well. And God had given them an instruction. Hey, listen, of all the trees and all the things that are here in the garden, just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he put that in place. The Bible teaches us that a serpent, Satan, in the form of a Snake, if you will. That's why I hate snakes today. Come on, somebody. You guys with pythons, I love you. God bless you. You're weird. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. One of my best friends, Miss Katie, she loves some snakes, boy. And she's like, oh, that's a yellow python. So I'm like, Katie, get that away from me. The only snake I like is a dead snake. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, and so he comes and he begins to manipulate, trick, and they fall for his lies. And Adam and Eve, then thereby, they break covenant relationship with the Father, with Father God, by disobedience. And it created this in humanity. And this is where most people don't understand. 
What happened was when God created us, he created humanity, Adam and Eve, in his image. In other words, not just the way they appeared, but their nature, their characteristics, um, what they did naturally, what, how they thought naturally, that came from God because God <sighs> breathed into man the breath of life. His nature, his characteristics came in to man. We are his sons and daughters created in his image. And what happened was in that moment, we thought like God thought. We acted like God acted because we had his DNA. Everybody say DNA. We had his DNA inside of us. But in that moment in the garden when we rebelled, when humanity rebelled and said, no, I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to listen to the serpent. In that moment of disobedience, in that moment of rebellion, what happens is a DNA started, surfering, uh, started stirring on the inside of us, and that is that of Satan, that of rebellion, that of sin. And so what happened was what was perfect and, and, and totally like God in its DNA, humanity that it is, all of a sudden now has this imperfection, has this sin inside of it. And from the very moment that they begin to procreate, you see it in their children. They're, they didn't have to lay hands on them and give them sinful nature. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to speak sinful nature into them. It came by way of their DNA. And so here is their sons, and we see that Cain kills Abel out of jealousy. Why? Because now he's got sin DNA inside of him, and that's why you you and I battle back and forth with the nature of God that's within us and then the nature of sin or the sin nature that's within us. And so what happens is all of a sudden, you know, humanity becomes more and more vile and they take on more and more of a, of a rebellion and they stop serving the Lord and being like God the Father and they start being in this sinful nature. And so God says, enough is enough. He says, I'm going to start all over. I'm going to find the most righteous out of all of these people, that being Noah and his family, and I'm going to kill everybody else and start over. And then continued growing with humanity from that family. And guess what? The sin nature was still on the inside. And so then God, once again, looks down at the earth and says, is there any who really love me? And he finds Abraham. And Abraham, by faith, trusts God. God speaks to him. Abraham begins this relationship with him by faith. And God makes a covenant with him and says, listen to me. I will do something in you. I will give you children, and your children will be my people. I literally will make covenant with you and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. All the people that come from your loins will be my people because you're my man. And Abraham says, great, but how are we going to do that? We're already old in age, and God does a miracle. And, uh, and Sarai, his wife, has a baby at, what, 100 years old, 90 years old, somewhere in that range? Come on, scholars, help me out. And she has a baby, and that is the Jewish line, or the Jewish people as we know. And so God makes covenant, continues to have covenant relationship with, Jew, with the Jewish people, the Israelites, and that's what your Old Testament is all about in your Bible. And so what happens is God says this as he makes covenant relationship with the Jews. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will serve you, and you will serve me. I will take care of you, I will protect you, and you will serve me, and this is our partnership. And the Jews said, that's awesome, that's what we want to do. And as you read through the Old Testament, what happened? They constantly broke that relationship. They constantly disobeyed. They constantly did not serve him and began to serve other idols, other gods, begin to worship them and give their heart. Why? Because of that sin nature. And so God the Father had a plan. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send Jesus, my son, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came down and dwelt amongst us. And the reason why he did that is so that he could say, let me show you how to serve the Father. I will be the greatest example of that, and you then can follow me, and I will lead you back to the Father. I will literally be God in your midst, and I've come not just to serve 
the Father, but to serve humanity. And that's why we call him the servant of all. So as we look into this for just a moment, let's look at kind of, I, I got five big objects of Jesus' servanthood. That, that kind of point out how he was the servant of all as we look in Scripture. First and foremost is that he, born, he was born and lived in lowliness. Now, I, th- I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think that he was born and he lived in lowliness. I didn't say poverty because Jesus wasn't poverty and all the prosperity guys say amen. All right, three of you. Okay, those at least want to be blessed say amen. There you go. He wasn't poor. But he didn't live in adjunct riches and wealth. He came in lowliness. In fact, he was born in a manger, as you probably are going to read or have been reading for the last couple of days, weeks, months. Everybody getting ready for Christmas. He was born in a manger. And now a manger, for you guys that didn't grow up on a farm and understand that, is basically the stall in the back where all the animals live and there you go, do their business. We won't say it out loud, we just think about it. And that's where Jesus was born. So the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God himself, is going to come to planet earth and set up his kingdom. And he's going to be born where? In a stall? With animal stuff all around, the stench and the, and, and the mess of all that. And that lowly, horrific place. Can you imagine if Napoleon, if his son was going to be a, take over his, his position as, as reigning over France? Can you imagine, you know, if, if, had he become king? Can you imagine how that kid would have been raised? He would have been born into complete wealth. He'd have had servants as a little child. Multiple people would have carried him anywhere he wanted to go. Can you imagine? Just, I'm just talking about even Napoleon's kid. Can you imagine the, the pharaohs and their children? And, and if they were to be able to be, they're going to be de- uh, de- designated the king of the earth or that, uh, that country or that nation. They, those kids never, ever, they, they, they didn't, they didn't uh, work with their hands. They didn't have to do anything of any real uh, uh, effort or workload. They had people who did that. They had servants for them. But Jesus, the king of glory, came down in that of a servant. That's crazy. Think that through for a moment. That God himself would not show up on the scene. I am here and you will serve me. That's not what he did. He showed up and angels went and announced it to who? Not to kings, not to theologians. Come on, stay with me. It went and announced it to the little people working out in, in, in the, in the blue-collar jobs. Come on, blue-collar workers. He went out there to the guys who were watching the sheep out in the middle of the night doing the late shift. Come on, somebody, doing the night shift. They showed up to these little guys. that did, Nobody cared about them and said, hey, guess what? The Messiah's here. The king of glory's here. Yeah, they showed up to those kings in another land, but it took them two years before they could even find him. He announces it. And so who shows up at the birth? shepherds who are these people who are just they just normal everyday folk his announcement listen when when little prince of wales little dude was born my god i couldn't turn on the tv without every picture being about this little kid it's like who is this look who cares who his mom and daddy are they just people and yet it dominated all of our communication and jesus christ came to earth in a lowly form in a servant form and then he lived his life he didn't build mansions. What was the name of the mansion? Was his the Taj Mahal? No. What, what, big, what big throne did he sit on? How many diamonds, you know, were built into his chair that he sat on and ruled from? None of that. The Bible says it like this. When Jesus said, he said, the son of man didn't even have a place to rest his head. He came in lowly form. He was the servant 
of all. Look at this next piece. An object of his servanthood, and that was that he served the will of his father. John 4 and 34, I love this piece. Look at this. He says, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, here's what you got to understand. Jesus comes to earth, and he is serving the Father's will in real time. So he'd go to do something. Oh, Father won't sit. Excuse me, guys, we got to do this. And in this particular passage that we're quoting right here in the book of John chapter 4, this is the storyline where Jesus had gone to, uh, through Samaria, and he's there at the well. They're not even the Samaritans and Jews. They don't interact. You know, they're real prejudiced against each other. And so his boys go into town a little bit further to go get something to eat, to bring them, you know, get some food and go buy some food, and they go have lunch. They're starving. They've been walking a long way. They've been, they're frustrated. They're tired. And Jesus kind of hangs out at the well. About that time, this lady comes to get water from the well, and she says, ma'am, could you give me something to drink? And she looks at him. Well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. We don't interact. And Jesus, so sweet, he goes, sweetheart, let me tell you something. If you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for water. And you'd have the water of life forever. And she goes, oh, well, let's talk theology. And she gets back and forth in this little theological thing. And Jesus just said, hey, let me ask you something. Won't you, go, won't you go get your husband? Uh, sir, I'm not married. He goes, that's right. You've been married five times and the man you went now is not your husband. Oh, my God, that dude knows my name. <laughs> How do you know that? And, she, and he said, because I am. I am. And she goes, I'll be right back. And the Bible says she runs through the town. Come meet the man who told me everything about my life. About that time, the disciples come walking back. Jesus, here we got you, got you a sandwich. It's turkey. We know you don't eat pork either. So, no ham. And Jesus says, that's all right, guys. I'm not hungry. And they said, you're not hungry? We were famished as we were walking up here. You told us to go get food. What do you mean you're not hungry? He goes, listen, I got food you don't know about. (laughs) And they start going, you did what? Who fed him? Who, what? Who fed him? He goes, listen, my food is to do the will of the Father. He said, listen, I just, I just prophesied to that girl right there. I'm full. Man, life. This is why I'm here. I'm here to serve the will of the Father. And I just did what God the Father wanted. And look, I don't need nothing to eat. I'm good. I'm good. Woo! I'm good. I don't need nothing. I'm all right. Because he had done the will of the Father. That's what he said he came to do. The servant of all. Jesus didn't come to earth to do his will. I'm going to tell you right now. Because part of what the will of the Father was is that Jesus would be sacrificed on a cross so that humanity to come back. And we see in the garden that Jesus asked. He says, listen, if there's any way this can pass, I'd be good with that. But nevertheless, not what I will, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. He came to do the will of the Father. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was reestablishing so that those of us who follow him would come back to the place that, whoa, 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 what is Christianity all about? It's about serving. It's about doing the will of the Father, not my will. See, servants do what someone over them wants them to do. Masters do not do what everybody else wants them to do. Stay with me now. And here's the problem with humanity is that we're the masters of our life instead of God being the master of our life. We're not servants anymore. He is supposed to serve us. And that's the, that's the route we take. Lord, I want it now. How come you ain't healer? Come on. Hey, hey, hey. I'm, I, I'm the master here, baby. Give me what I need, God. Come on, let's do it. And Jesus said, I don't do that. He said, I came to do the will of the Father. He is the servant of all. Are you with me? Say yes. Here's this next piece. Look at this next piece. And that is, we can see that his object of servanthood was that he was constantly helping hurting people. 
In fact, that's what the other religions, when they talk about our Jesus, they'll say, well, he was a good guy because, you know, he helped people. And that's what we need to do. Religion is just about really good, being good and helping other people. And, uh, and that's what religion really is. And I feel good about myself because I help other people. And I think that if there's a God there who doesn't like me after I've helped people, then fooey on him. I've heard that over and over again. But the problem with that is that he's still Lord. But Jesus absolutely came to earth as a servant of all, and he helped the people. Oh, man, listen, he bound up their broken hearts. He loved the unlovable. Come on, some of you guys got some friends. Can't nobody love them but Jesus. You think it was any different when he walked the earth? I mean, can you imagine trying to love Peter? I think I'd have stabbed Peter a couple times. I mean, but go ahead. Now, there you go. Run your mouth some more. I mean, can you imagine you've been walking with these guys and they Judas, you know he's the one that's going to do this? I think I'd have taken him out behind the woodshed a couple of times. Buddy, I'm going to just whoop you now. What I do? You're going to do something, so let me just whoop you now. I just, it's going to happen. I just need to get it out of my system. <laughs> I just need to whoop you, bro. Because <laughs> maybe you won't do it. I don't know. And so Jesus literally, he went around healing the sick raising the dead. I mean, he literally, those who were demonized, he cured them from the demons that were tormenting them. Oh, man. I have sat next to people on airplanes who were tormented, tormented from the past. Literally, the the demonic forces controlling their every thought and literally going, look, do you want freedom? Because I can help you get it. Jesus came as a servant of all. He, He didn't come with his own agenda. Can you imagine that? His agenda was humanity. What king comes and serves his constituents? Or what political figure actually, never mind. Anyway, so what serves literally the people? Because the continent, so you got to understand, that's why the Jews didn't see him as the Messiah. That's why they missed him as a, as a nation. That's why they missed him because their concept was the Messiah was going to come. And yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he will reign and rule. Yes, he will be the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Yes, he will. He will be. Yes, he will. But their concept of what he was going to be king over was that he was going to dictate and dominate how everyone else lived their lives. And that's not what he did. He came as a servant and he served. And he loved. And he healed. And he delivered. Which will bring us to our next piece. And that is, number four, he refused and still does to control man's will. Masters control people's wills. Think about it. Your boss does. Hey, you need to go get that for me. You're like, you don't talk to me like that. I'll get another job. We'll go get another job. <laughs> Next one in. But ma- and now, that's, and that's in, in, a de- in a democratic society. Imagine in a monarch. Or imagine in a one family or one man ruled environment. Imagine what they went through in Bible times. Literally, people would be killed. We know the horror of slavery that another person has control over someone else's will by power and authority. And the damage and the destruction of that power and authority. And here God in the flesh did not force his will on humanity. Did not make us love him. Gave us a choice to love him, accept him, serve him. I don't know about you. There have been a couple moments. I'm just telling you. When they started hitting me with that cat of nine tails, all right, we done. All right. I just fried them all. 
Or, or, at any moment, you understand, Jesus could have, con- he's God. At any moment, he could have controlled their thoughts, their desires. He could have forced his will on humanity's will. Any moment, God could do that. But the beauty of the God that we serve, that we were created in his image, he put his DNA inside of us, it got skewed and became wicked DNA as, as, as a sin nature began to develop and destroy humanity. And God still loves us so much that he doesn't force us to serve him. Instead, he comes to earth and he serves us. What kind of God loves humanity to the level that he does not... He has the power and the ability at any moment to make you do what he wants you to do. But he does not do it. That's love. And that's what it says that God so loved the world that he gave. We could institute, served, and sent his son to be the ultimate servant, slave to humanity. All the way to the cross, he served us. He, he came and took on humanity. Can you imagine a God being limited by our feeble bodies? Come on, you sci-fi guys. Can you imagine that? Like, man, I can't fly now. Dang. I can't be everywhere at once. I can't hear what they're all saying and thinking right now. Because I limited myself so that I could serve. And I refused to force my will over their will. Listen, it breaks my heart. I minister to people all over the world, next door to me, all around me, and I know that some of them are going to burn in hell forever. Breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And you know why it breaks my heart? Because he will not force his will on their will. He gives them a choice to love him, accept him, and serve him. The Bible says it like this, he would that none should perish, but all have eternal life. And so God came and dwelt amongst man and served humanity. The Bible says it like this. Jesus, everywhere he went, he ministered to those people. He cared for their needs. And in and, and one, one passage, it talks about how they just kept coming into the night, laying the sick at his feet. Can you imagine that you found out that the king of glory is on the planet in some little human form, manly little form, or some little guy with a little beard-looking thing or whatever they wore back in those days, and he's just a normal dude, man. He's just a dude. And this dude can get your sister healed of cancer, and you're grabbing her out of the hospital, and you're getting her there, and he's into the night ministering to her and then the next one's bringing and they're all lined up trying to get and he continues to serve he never stops and says i don't want to do this that's all right guys i'm sorry look i'm tired and look i've been on the clock now for about 10 hours and i'm done you don't ever see that in scripture he continues to love in fact the only time he's mad at his disciples is when they get selfish and they won't love and serve the same capacity go on get in the boat going across the lake i'll stay here and love for these people since y'all don't obviously care says that he would weep because they're sheep without a shepherd. They're hurting. The servant of all. Never forced his will. People ask you, who is Jesus? You should be able to tell Let me tell you something. Nobody, nobody better talk about, about my Jesus. Because he's God who came to earth. And he slave served humanity for a chance to get to love us back to the Father. That's something. We talk about respect and honor in that series a couple weeks ago. To dishonor that sacrifice and those servanthood that Jesus brought forth, in my mind, would have to be one of the most horrid things we could do as humanity. And yet we do it on a daily basis. Here's that last piece. You still with me? Say yes. Yes. And the last piece is that he gave his life as the ransom. 
going back and quoting our initial passage in Philippians chapter 2. We'll just look at verse 8 again. And it says, And being found in in the appearance as a man, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The ultimate servanthood moment was that Jesus said, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week because that's where he becomes Lord and Savior. But that he would serve us all the way to the place of giving his life away. It's unbelievable that he would do that. That surely there could be an easier way. But someone had to pay the penalty for our sin nature. And so Jesus took that on and loved us that much. See, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. That it cannot be stopped. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Keeps no record of wrong. See, you cannot serve if you do not love. So, we think in our society that the goal is to get to the top of the pyramid. To stand on top of everyone. So, I've got to get this education so I can get ahead of this guy. And then I've got to to work harder than everybody else to stay late so I can get ahead of that guy. Because my goal is get to the apex, to get to the top, and then I am over everybody else. This is success in the culture in which we live. Jesus had the same problem in the day in which he came to earth. And what he did was he took that diagram, he took that thing, and he flipped it upside down. He said, the first one to the bottom wins. The servant of all will be the ruler of all. The servant is the, is the head, and everyone else is just simply going to end up at the bottom. This is, the, this is how you reign and rule in kingdom business, and that is that you become the servant of all. In fact, what Jesus is, he got to the bottom, and then he held everybody else up. Instead of standing on them, it's a different in philosophy and it's a different in mentality. And so what has to happen for you and I, if he's the servant of all and we follow in his footsteps, then we need to get de- uh, delivered from the concept that I've got to step on you. And you, don't, you didn't say what I wanted you to say. And you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And our marriage didn't go the way I said, you said it was going to go. And as a result, I've got to keep moving forward. So I've got to get past you. Instead, what the servant of all does is say, you know what? What you can't do, I'll do, baby, because I love you. I love you. And I'll, I'll lay it all down for you. And I'll lay it all down for us. And I'll lay it all down for this. But see, we get to go, well, I don't like that one as much. So you know what? That one's going to have to be under me. I'm not going to be under them. And this is the opposite of what Jesus said. And that's why they couldn't recognize him as the Messiah. Because they thought he was going to come. And he was going to set up shop. And he was going to rule. This guy's not ruling. This guy's serving. This guy don't even have a mansion. This guy, he claims to be the Messiah. He got, look, where's his slaves and his servants? Because we know the guy who's going to rule is going to be worth something. Because he's supposed to be the Messiah. And their concept of what a king was. But here's the difference. Jesus did not come to rule humanity. He came to rule over the sin that separated humanity from God. That's where they missed it. Because it's not about how big your house is, how many cars you got. It's, listen, friend, how much do you look like God? How much, how far away from his image have you become? It's how far away has the enemy pulled you away and sinfulness has so dominated your life and you're a bitter old man and you're a mean individual and you no longer have faith for anything and you're full of perversion and you fight it and you don't want it. Listen, you've gotten so far away from the very nature and characteristic of God and Jesus came not to dominate you but to dominate that power and get you freedom for that and serve you in that so that he could bring you back. Not to make you do what he wants you to do because he didn't force himself on you but to love you so much and to serve you so much 
life that you can't help but respond and serve him back and say, I serve you as you serve me. And that's why marriages are broken up because they don't understand the servanthood in a relationship. And so Christianity is not about doing good or doing bad so that he will accept me and I'll be, I'll be a good little worker for the Lord. It's about he has already gotten up under us and is serving us and that we're responding and saying, yeah, God, yeah, I get it. I get it now. And he begins to break all of that power that controls over our lives. That is why he's the servant of all. So the next time somebody says, who's Jesus to you? Let me tell you what he is, baby. Let me tell you, baby girl, come here. God came down and dwelt amongst men. and He didn't dominate us. He didn't force himself on us. He served us. And only servants, the only time a master can serve is because he loves so much. Because otherwise, it makes no sense. Jesus didn't serve us because he was scared of us. He didn't serve us because he, he was hoping we wouldn't reject him. He served us because God so loved the world. So loved the world. And it broke that domination that happened in the garden where Satan got us to follow him and submit to him. And now dominates and controls Jesus, in his last moment with his disciples, one of his last big meetings, we call it the Last Supper. Some of you have seen the picture Michelangelo depicted. I don't think it looks anything like that, by the way. And we see this moment. I want you to put it in perspective for our time. Imagine that the CEO of Microsoft is retiring. And he gets his top vice presidents together. They get on the corporate jet. They fly to Paris to have a meal together to close out his time. So they get there at the private airport. They're met by limousines. Each one has their own, 12 of them suckers. Inside that limousine is every kind of, you know, expensive liquor and Food and what's that stuff they eat over there? Caviar, stuffy stuff, and anything else French, you know. And man, they bring you to the high rise that overlooks Paris. Eight o'clock at night, the city's lit up. You're escorted down a special path that no one, that common folk could ever come down that way. And you're protected by bodyguards and you're brought up to the top of this thing. And man, you're sitting there looking out over the city. Imagine as you're sitting there and the CEO to, about to retire walks in the room. Says, guys, three years we've been together. And as I close out my time, here's the last things I want you to know. I would imagine he throws open a whiteboard and he starts telling you, look, strategically, y'all going to need to do this because I won't be here. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, guys, so glad we're here together. Give me that wash bucket. Come here, bring you your feet, son. Let me start washing your feet. Come here, buddy. He starts washing their feet. You can understand. If you don't understand Bible times, it ain't like us. Washing our feet now is kind of gross, but imagine their feet. Because they walked everywhere. And because of their terrain and because of their, you know, the way that they lived, dirt roads typically, when it had walked on, carts being pulled, animals, their mode of transportation were animals. 
They didn't have any cars. Come on, somebody, motorcycles or bicycles. And so you're walking in your sandals, open toe, little leather strap looking things. You're talking to your buddy and you're walking on the road with camels and oxen pulling carts and donkeys and And when you got to your location, if, it, if you didn't step in enough poo to make it gross enough, you had enough dirt under them toenails to grow potatoes. And you show up there at the place where you're about to either dine or rest. And there was a person. There was a person there who was the feet washer. That person had the lowest job on the entire list of jobs. It was, it was worse than watching sheep. It was the worst job that could ever be get. That person is usually a conquered slave. That one nation had conquered another nation. That person lost their rights as a human and became a slave and literally was property for that household, for that company, that restaurant, that hotel, whatever it may be. That person was dead to everyone else. They were nothing more than a tool, an object. Their humanity had no value. Come on, somebody, stay with me now. And when you would go to that space, that person was ready. The moment you walked in, they would immediately get down on their knees and begin undoing your sandals as you continue to talk to your buddies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch that one right there now. Okay, yeah. I got a corn on that big toe. There you go, buddy. Watch yourself. And then they would begin to wash it and get the muck and the mire off of your feet. A king would never do that. In fact, it, be, it would be comparable for our generation to at the staff Christmas party, as you're trying to climb the corporate ladder, being the one who says, hey guys, let me, let me take your trash out. Come on, give it here to me. Put that in there. There you go. And then I'm going to go scrub the toilets here in just a moment as soon as I get a chance. Anybody climbing the corporate ladder would never do that. That's the most humiliating thing, and it would show a sign of weakness. We're growing. We're getting to the top, excuse me. And Jesus gets down on his knees. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of vulnerability. Give me those feet. He starts washing that old nasty stuff off their feet. He's the king of glory. He's washing the feet of these men. As he goes around the table, he gets to Peter. I love Peter. I think Peter and I are brothers some kind of way. Peter always runs his mouth before he thinks about what he was saying. And Peter goes, no, Lord. You can't wash my feet. I'll not do it. I'll not let you serve me like this. And Jesus looks at him. He says, Peter, I'm trying to show something. I'm the servant of all. And if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. I love Peter's reaction. Now wash my head, everything, Lord. Get everything. Just give me, get every bit of it, Lord. <laughs> come on. Come on. You got that kid at your household? <laughs> I mean, they don't eat one bowl of cereal. They eat six of them, you know. They just suck it down, man. This is why everything, Jesus. Just wash every bit of me because I want to be a part of you. Can I explain something to you? He's God. But he's also the servant of all. And then he says, take my yoke. It's easy and my burden is light. Follow after me. Do what I did. So the king of glory comes to earth. The form of a child. I mean, he could have come as a grown man. He could have, he could have, 
He could have come to the planet. The master says, all should bow, and he will not speak to you again. But how does he come? (laughs) Why? Because love is proven in servanthood. For God so loved that he served humanity. He became our slave and did not force his will on us. But in love for us, served us with a hope that that love would be reciprocated. And then there are those of us who have grown a little bit past our little selfishness and we've learned it is a privilege to serve the Lord. It is a privilege to be called his slave. He has marked me and I belong to him even as he belongs to me. This is the God we serve. This is who Jesus was and is. Amen. With that, won't you bow your heads with me across the room? God's been so good to us. You're such an amazing group of ministers and leaders and congregants. So you sit there with your head bowed and your eye closed. The king of glory, the servant of all, is whispering in your heart, in your ear, things like, I love you. It's okay. I got you. I want you to take a moment and interact with your Savior, with your servant of all, God. The propitiation of our sin. When we come back next week, we'll talk about Him as Lord and Savior. But I want you to see Him in all of His humility. Can you imagine? My dad paid his way through Bible school as as I was finishing high school. God called my parents, my mom and my stepdad, to go to the mission field. My dad had only had a ninth grade education. He left school and went into the military during Vietnam. The Lord told him to go to Bible school. Or told him to go to the mission field. So the pastor said, you can't go to the mission field if you don't get some Bible school training. My dad was trying to work two jobs, provide for us, and go to Bible school. <coughs> president of the Bible school came to him. He's the oldest man in the school at the time. My dad was. He said, listen, I can scholarship you if you'll do the janitorial work. And my dad said, I'll do it. My dad would get there early, scrub those toilets, take out that trash. Those young adults would get there to go to Bible school, spill their coffee on them floor and not clean it up. Miss on the toilet bowl and leave it all over the place. My daddy would have to clean it up. Just so he could go to the mission field. It's humiliating. Made me mad as his son. But he showed me what real love looked like. That's what Jesus did. Can you imagine being the angels of heaven as their master 
That's their master. Let people spit in his face. That's their master who is there to try, try to show them love. Rejected his love. Can you imagine being an angel in heaven or a cherub like Michael or Gabriel that could swing a sword and kill a third of the earth? And their master, Jesus, serving humanity like a slave because he loves. I tell you, that's a sobering thought, people. Shame on us for discounting that and seeing as our little Santa Claus. I want this and I want that. Just sit there with your head bowed and your eye closed. Just interact with the Lord on that. You might want to repent to him. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've I've discounted. I've dishonored the way you've served me. I haven't served you in return. I haven't loved you the way you've loved me. Friend, it's not so much about sin and making mistakes and cussing somebody out. It's much more about what we're becoming and what we're not becoming. It's much more about that love that he would lay down his life for humanity. As you think about that for a moment, I want to ask, there's a group of you in here today, you're away from Jesus. Maybe you've never been a Christian. You've never asked Jesus into your life. Maybe you've just been so busy with life, you didn't know. You didn't know that he came and walked amongst us and served us became our slave that he could win us back to the Father. Maybe you didn't understand that till this moment. I got good news for you. He's ready to accept you. He's ready to be your Lord and your King. Maybe you used to serve the Lord. Life has happened. Things just happened. You've gotten away from the Lord. You don't know him. You're not friends with him. You don't have a relationship with him. Listen, I got good news. He's not mad about that. Maybe you call yourself separated, even divorced. He didn't sign the papers. He's waiting for you to come home. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're away from the Lord or you've never made Jesus your Lord, I want to pray with you. I'm going to lead you back to him. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I'm just going to, I'm just going to lead you back to him in a prayer. Just reconnect you. Like friends at a party. Hey, have you met so-and-so? Hey, do you know so-and-so? Here, and put you together. Let you become best friends in the days ahead. But every head bowed and every eye closed. If I'm speaking to you, that's the Lord tugging at your heart. You feel that anticipation. That's the Lord. He wants you back or he wants you for the first time. With no one looking around, if this is you and you're not a Christian or you're away from God and you want to come home, I'll pray with you. But you got to be bold and courageous enough to admit it and say, I need God. And you do that here today by just lifting your hand. With no one looking around, if that's you, lift your hand quickly. Say, that's me, Pastor. You're speaking to me. It's time for God bless you guys. Thanks for being honest. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm away from the Lord. I want to come back to the Father. There's already been three or four of you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I don't want to live like this anymore. It's time to come home. Give me about three seconds. Three, two, one. Amen. I'm going to lead those who lifted their hand in a prayer. It's a prayer of connection. I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins maybe you didn't have the courage to lift your hand you can pray this prayer the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us cleanse us from all unrighteousness we'll confess with our mouth and 
believe it with our heart. So those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to pray this out loud with me. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience, pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, today I surrender. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of pretending. I realize you are the servant of all. You came to earth to serve me, to give me a chance to come back to the Father. And here and now, I accept what you did on a cross. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you forever in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for those that lifted their hand. I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would feel and sense that they are cleansed. They don't have to perform. They don't have to, they don't have to give money to the church. They don't have to do 2,500 Hail Marys. They are right with you because they asked and you received them today. Now, Father, I pray that you'd become best friends with them. Jesus, that you would be their best friend. They'd start learning you and you'd start working out the very reason you came to serve us not to dominate us or rule over us, but to rule over the sin that has power over us. And so, Father, I would just submit ourselves to you again. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to speak to those of you that love the Lord, been serving the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord right where you're sitting. Say, Lord, help me to be like you, to love to the place of servanthood. Father, I pray that this church, that this congregation, that these people, that Adam McCain, my children, my wife, my relatives, Lord, that we would be like you, that we would serve the way you serve, Jesus, that we'd give ourselves up freely, that we wouldn't try to dominate, that we'd be like you. And then I accept you, Jesus, as the servant of all. And I ask you to help me to be like you. Holy Spirit, come. Come, breathe. Restore love that's been lost. Where we sit there and dominate one another and we want to dominate the conversation and we want that person to listen to us and we want to tell them what they ought to do. Oh God, teach us what it is to be like you. Teach us. Lord, we help. We ask that you would help us to destroy the works of the enemy in our life. That old sin nature that keeps rising back up. We want to crucify it again today. And so with that, that we bless your holy name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Would you stand with me all across the room? Can we give the Lord a hand for this word? What a great word.